That passage from Leviticus, God promised his people in the Old Testament an abundant life. And that's our theme this year, living an abundant life. Our key verse is John 10.10, 10, where Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. With the Holy Spirit's help, God expects us, wants us to live a life of joy, peace, and love. He wants us to have an abundant life. He came that we might have an abundant life, a rich, full, overflowing life. That's his plan. It's what he wants us to have. Not all of us have that, however. That's what we've been working on this year is why don't we and what to do about it? How can we live the abundant life? I don't know if you're tired of our wheat field yet, but uh, hopefully it's putting a lasting picture in there of an abundant harvest and what we need to do to reap an abundant life harvest. Farmer has to clear the field, then he plants the right seed, waters, fertilizes, does all that, then he reaps the harvest. Well, same thing with an abundant life harvest. We have things that we need to do. We have some things to prepare so that we can claim God's promise. In our first series, we cleared the field. We looked at six life-stealing problems that need to be hacked out of our lives. That's our first step. Get, get those things out of our lives and other uh, problems that keep us from planting an abundant harvest. And then we get ready to plant. In this series, we're planting seeds. We're planting the seeds that lead to an abundant life. In this series, if you're here for the first time, let me just reinforce that I'm talking to Christians. We've assumed that the folks that I'm talking to have faith, they understand the Word of God, they pray, they read their Bible, do those things, but maybe are not realizing an abundant life. So that's where we're starting. We're working on what we need to do to live an abundant life. Our seeds uh, are really firm convictions. It's what we're talking about in this series, and in fact, we're ending that series today. They're foundational beliefs that have to guide the way we think. They have to be the way we think of ourselves and of God, the way we talk, the way we walk, the way we live. Our whole life needs to be built around these four basic concepts that I've called seeds in this series. The four seeds are, I am, he is. I will, and he will. And we've been filling those in week by week as we go. They're four very simple statements. Hopefully you've memorized them. Uh, I've memorized them and we've gone along, and I hope I keep saying them every day because that's what they're necessary for. We have to live that way, think that way. Uh, knowing them is not enough. If you can repeat all of them at the end of the series, that's good. But what we need is for them to be planted firmly, planted firmly deeply in your heart, your mind, and your soul, and so that you live the truth of them. Then you'll have an abundant life. Seed number one was, I am a child of the king. I don't be the way we start every day. I'm a child of the king. I, I've been chosen by him. I've been adopted. I'm blessed. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. Uh, that's where you start your thinking about who you are. The second seed, and that's seed number two, was he's my father. He's my perfect father, if you want to fill it in that way. He provides, he protects, uh, he gives us everything that we need. He's a personal father. He's a present father. 
I'm his child. He's my father. Now we've got our relationship between us and God. Seed number three was, I will obey him. We looked at that last week. Throughout the Bible, we saw this principle. It is always the foundation of relationships with God. Children and father. Children obey. Father instructs. Children learn obedience. Even Jesus learned obedience when he came to earth. Jesus said, I always do what pleases him. That's how we ought to think about what I will do. I will obey him. We do do that at different levels. And we talked about that last week, if you remember, just like children. At, At some point, we obey out of fear. We obey out of duty sometimes. We obey because we figure out it's for our own good. And I said all those were okay. That's all right. Just obey and and grow up. Eventually we get to where, and we hope our children get to where, they obey us out of love and faith and trust. And that's where we hope to grow to. That's where we hope to, to grow to obeying our Father from that point of view. But all of those are good. Just obey. I will obey. Then we'll grow up. We'll mature. We'll get better at it, just like we hope uh, our physical children do. Today, our last seed is, he will bless me. I am a child of the king. He's my father. I will obey. Then he will bless me. Now, we sing about blessings. We count our blessings. We thank God for our blessings. We need to understand God's blessings. Let's make sure we understand this before we talk about how he will bless me. Some blessings are universal. Some blessings are universal. Everybody gets them. Matthew 5, 45 points that out. Jesus said he causes his son to rise on the uh, evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And we look around, we know that's true. Do you you ever see a beautiful sunrise, a beautiful sunset, and enjoy it? Well, the evil guy next door enjoyed it too. Okay? You enjoying the pear trees exploding this week? Well, so do the bad people. They enjoy that. They get those blessings. The tulips are coming up, the purple mountain's majesty, and on and on, and all those blessings we get in life are universal. Everybody shares in them. That's the way God works. Uh, Some blessings are universal. Humans get lots of blessings. Good humans, bad humans. They get lots of blessings. But some blessings are not universal. Some blessings are conditional. And that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about when we talk about God will bless me. John 14, 21, Jesus said, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Okay, see there we've got universal and conditional again. There's a universal level that God loves the whole world. 
But in this verse, he says there's a conditional level for those who have his commands and obey him. He shows himself to them in a special way. He loves them in a sense of blessing them, a special way of loving them. All right. We're going to have a little few tests as we go through this lesson today. Question number one is what kind of blessings are abundant life blessings? There's universal and there's conditional. The answer is conditional. Abundant life blessings are conditional blessings. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. What things? The necessities of life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, there's the condition, and you'll get all these necessities. Philippians 4.19, Paul said, my God shall supply all your needs. We get the necessities, we get the needs. Blessings are conditional. Now, That means God doesn't randomly hand out blessings. He universally blesses all people, but these blessings we're talking about, he doesn't just dispense them randomly, chaotically, to to whomever and whatever. There's an if. There are going to be a lot of ifs in today's sermons. We're going to find that God says if a lot of times when he's talking about blessings. Give and it'll be given. You give, then you receive. You seek, then you find. You obey, then he blesses. A lot of ifs coming through here. Now, some of you don't like that. Some of you are looking at me and you, you're trying to tell me that I've got to do certain things. I've got to be a certain way before God will bless me. That's what I'm telling you, but don't get mad at me. I'm in sales. He's in management. Okay, You take it up with the, the manager. I'm just telling you what he says. And he says that abundant life blessings are conditional. Now let's learn the very basic principle that will help us get on our way here. In Psalm chapter 1, the first psalm, the very first thing that the poet said, This is a great collection of poetry, and this is where he started. It must set the theme. It must be very important if this is what he started with. And listen to what he said. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What's the psalmist say? Righteous prosper. There's that conditional thing again. If you're righteous, then you prosper. Then he blesses you. This is not doctrine. This is not theology I'm telling you here. This is not old Israel versus new Israel just because it's in the book of Psalm. This is foundational. This is the way God deals with people. This is the way God deals with his people, his children, and always have. 
righteous, obedient, faithful, whatever you want to call them, people prosper. That's who God blesses. The the Old Testament, we're going to look at some Old Testament verses today, some passages. The Old Testament's a schoolmaster. It's supposed to teach us something. I know we're under different laws than the Ten Commandments and all that, but his principles haven't changed. How he deals with people, how he expects us to relate to him haven't changed, and that's what the psalmist starts out telling us here. This is what the poetry is about. The righteous prosper, the wicked get in trouble. God blesses one, he doesn't bless the other. All right, question number two on your quiz. Has that principle changed that righteous people prosper? The answer is no. That principle has not changed. Principle is exactly the same today. God watches people. He knows our hearts. He knows what we do. He knows what we think. And the righteous, the faithful, the obedient get blessed. What they do prospers. All right, abundant life blessings are conditional. Righteous people are the ones who get blessed. We're starting to figure it out. Now, some of you may be worrying right here. I keep saying prosper. Well, if you watch much TV, preacher type folks, you hear that a lot. Because that's what a lot of TV preachers preach is prosperity gospel. Health, wealth, and prosperity. And they use some of the same verses that we're going to look at today. Let me just warn you that they make two real fundamental mistakes when they, when they preach that kind of gospel. Number one, they, they miss the definition of righteous. Okay, a righteous man in the Bible, it talks about it there. Is someone who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Somebody who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his word, who lives like God wants him to. Okay, TV preachers, prosperity preachers, cut that all down to a righteous man is somebody who writes the right amount of check and mails it to me. And that's about their definition of righteous. You plant your seed faith. You do this. You send this much money. You participate in this. You sign up for this level. And then God will prosper you. Very bad definition of righteous. Wrong on that. Second thing they're wrong on is their, their definition of prosperity. They limit it almost entirely to finances. You send me enough money and then God will pour money on you. Well, finance is part of it and we're going to talk about that this year later. But when God says prosper, he's talking about everything in life. He's talking about relationships. He's talking about peace of mind. He's talking about everything. And we'll see that in some of the verses that we look at. So when you hear somebody preaching the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, understand they've messed it up from what God started it out to mean. God does talk about prospering righteous people, and we're going to see what that means today. All right, let's see what God has promised. Deuteronomy 28 is where we want to go next. Deuteronomy 28. Before we read it, let's make sure we get some things straight. The people of Israel are camped across the Jordan River. They're ready to go into the promised land. Moses has got them that far. He's got them through the wilderness for 40 years. He's ready to move them into the promised land. And Moses, most of what Deuteronomy is, is Moses telling them some things that they need to know when they go in. So in 28, he really summarizes what God's promises are. And this is the prophet's promises to God's people. 
Let's read Deuteronomy 28, starting in verse 1. What's the first word? If, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Got some conditions in there? That's where Moses starts. If you fully obey the Lord, if you keep these commandments, then all these blessings will come. Well, what blessings, Moses? Verse 3, you will be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on oath, or an oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. Pretty clear. If you obey, if you walk right with God, if you're that righteous man that the psalmist talked about, if you're obedient, if you're faithful, it is guaranteed he will handle everything. He'll handle it. He'll take care of it. He will grant you abundant prosperity. God blesses obedience. Now, that's an amazing passage we just read. That says things are going to go really well. Enemies, day-to-day stuff, everything you put your hand to, children, crops, everything. He will handle it. Question number three, has God lost that power? Has God lost the power to bless obedience? And the answer is clear. No, he has not. He hadn't lost that power. He still is able to bless obedience. I hope this is clearing up a little bit. Abundant life blessings are conditional. Righteous, obedient, faithful people are the ones who are blessed. And God still has the power to bless obedience. He's still got the power to do exactly what he promised that he will do. All right, we've almost got it. Let's make sure. Before we look at the next passage, let's understand where it comes from. Children of Israel didn't always obey God. When they didn't obey God, things went bad. 
They got in trouble. They got in captivity. All sorts of bad things happened to them. Okay, They got in captivity, spent a long time in captivity. And then they were, they were in Babylon. And Cyrus the Persian, God told him, you send my people back home. So Cyrus the Persian let 50,000 of them go home. Go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. You can read about that in Ezra chapter 1. Now, what they did when they got there is interesting. You can read the first four chapters of Ezra for yourself when you get home and see this story. 50,000 of them went home to Jerusalem. The temple of God was in tatters. It was gone. Okay, The people of Israel went home. They started working on the temple. That's what God told them to do. God said, you go home and rebuild my temple. They went. They started rebuilding the temple. They built the altar first. They made some sacrifices. They built the foundation. They laid it out. Things were going pretty well. For two years, they did that. They built the altar. They laid the foundation. They were working hard on God's temple. Then the outside world started picking on them. The outside world started influencing them. The other countries around them started giving them grief. So they got distracted by that. Then they got distracted by their own lives. They started building their own houses. They said, we're making pretty good progress on the temple. Let's get our houses in shape. So they started working on their own houses. And Ezra chapter 4 verse 24 says, Thus the work on the house of God came to a standstill. Came to a standstill. Still the people of God. Still going to the altar once a week, I guess. Still doing a lot of things, but their focus was completely on themselves. Their focus was not on God anymore. You understand that's what the temple was. When when Solomon built the temple, remember what happened? The presence of God came down. It, It was about God. That's why they had to go to the temple and they spent all this time at the temple. and all. It was God's presence there. So he told them, you rebuild my temple. You focus on me again. They did for a couple of years and then they slid off and they focused on themselves. Now you know the story. Let's find out what happened. Now let's look at an unblessed people. Let's look at an unblessed people in Haggai. Haggai chapter 1. Very short little book. God told Haggai, he says, you talk to the people about this. Now, this is 16 years after work came to a standstill. 18 years after they came back to Jerusalem. And after 16 years of no progress, God had finally had enough. He's a patient God. He had finally had enough, and he told Haggai, he said, you tell them this. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. We don't have time to focus on God right now. Verse 3, then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. You give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, 
but have harvested a little. Give careful thought to your ways. Go back to that. You know what he's saying? You pay it. You look at your life. You look at how things are going in your life, buddy. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Sound like the abundant life? That's a just getting by life. It's not an abundant life. And God says, you look at your life. And that's what you'll see. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out little. What you brought home, I blew away. God's dealing in their life, isn't he? He said, he doesn't tell them. You build that temple or I'm going to smoke you. He says, you look at your life. You look at your life, see how it's going. And you'll find out it's not abundant. You expected much. You thought it was going to go good when you took care of yourself. But everything you brought in, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord God Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin. While each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle, and on the labor of your hands. Because of you. You got your focus in the wrong place. And I have dealt with your lives. So you give careful attention to your lives. And the fact that you don't have an abundant life is because of your ways. Think back a few weeks. Remember, some people have a life on the very bottom rung. It's a complete disaster. They're on the bottom level. Some people live a level up from that. They whine around. Nothing's good. Nothing's right. Level up from that, some people just go through the motions. Go to work, come home, go to bed, go get up. None of them have an abundant life. You look at all three of those kinds of lives and you ask, who's it about? Who's their life about? It's about them. They're taking care of their things. Taking care of their things and they're expecting much. Oh, they give God an hour a week. And they expect much from that. They give him an hour a week, and he's expected to pour out blessings. God says you give careful thought to your ways. Remember the prodigal son? Prodigal son goes off, ran out of money, ran out of friends. He's in the pig pen. You know what he did next? He went into town, and he sent a telegram to daddy. And he said, Daddy, blessings are a little short right now. Please send some money. That's not the way the story went, is it? Because we know that's not the way it works. Completely out of relationship with his father. No connection with his father. Not obeying, 
not loving, not faithful, not righteous, not anything. And why would he expect blessings? Well, the prodigal son was smarter than that. Some of us aren't. The prodigal son said, huh, if I had that relationship with dad again, I I could get some blessings. And he came to himself and he went home. And then the father was waiting for him. The father was ready. Father was ready to pour out the blessings, but that relationship had to be rebuilt. We have no relationship, no obedience, no awareness of God's presence. We're not concerned with his house. We get no blessings. That's the way Haggai said it. God had, God had, do you know what God had Haggai tell the people? He had him tell them, you control it. That's an amazing thing. You control whether your life is abundant or not. Somebody say, no, 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 God controls that. No, God delivers the blessings if it's conditional. He's promised to deliver them. We're the ones that control it. If your life is not abundant, you have shut off the blessings. That's what Haggai says. So, question number four in our quiz, are you living the abundant life? Are you living the abundant life? Not the person beside you. Not the folks across the aisle. Are you living the abundant life? Only you can answer question number four. You're the only one that can answer that. I don't know if you write yes in there. don't know if you write no in there. I can't answer it for you. I can give you a final exam. If you paid attention, we've had little short lessons and then a quiz. Now it's time for the final. You've got to put all the quizzes together. I can give you the final exam. First one, are abundant life blessings conditional? Yes, abundant life blessings are conditional. Second question on the final, do they come to the obedient people? Yes, abundant life blessings come to the obedient people. Number three, does God still have the power to bless obedience? Yes, is the answer. You not only know the answer to question number four, you control the answer to number four. Some people said no on that. You may not have written it down because you didn't want your neighbor to see it, but you thought it. You thought, no, I am not living the abundant life. And you may have sat there and thought just like the people in Haggai's time, hey, I work hard, but I harvest little. I eat, but I'm never full. I drink, but I never have enough. I'm still thirsty. I dress up and I look good on Sunday, but I'm not warm inside. I earn dollars, but it's like I put them in a purse with holes in it. My life's not abundant. I expect much, and it turns out to be little. Why? Why? Because you're taking care of your own house. You're taking care of your own house. It's because of you. That's what God says. That's the answer if you answered no. Some people answered yes. Let me clarify something about that. Some of the folks that answered yes, if we from the outside looked at them, we'd say, you got to be kidding. Their life's not perfect. They've got all sorts of problems in their life. 
Things aren't going perfectly well for them. They're not rich. They don't have perfect health. Bad things happen to them. They lose loved ones. Tell you a secret. Abundant life does not equal perfect. Abundant life, not an equivalent of a perfect life. Life is not always perfect. But an abundant life, when you have problems... God says his grace is sufficient for you. That's an abundant life. An abundant life gives you an eternal perspective that makes even things that aren't quite right abundant. You can see God's hand in it. God says he will give you, this is, part of it, this is an abundant life blessing, he will give you a peace that passes all understanding. Not all about money and dollars and things like that. It's an abundant life. And God, through the Spirit, gives us those things if if we act like we're a child of the King and He's our Father and we obey Him. Then He will bless. What a fantastic conviction to plant. He will bless me. You know how many ways you can say that? He will bless me. He will bless me. He will bless me. That's quite a sentence. That's a fantastic conviction to have in your mind. If I'm a child of the king and he's my father and I obey him, I will be blessed abundantly. I will have abundant prosperity, Moses told them. I'll be blessed in the city and in the country. I'll be blessed when I come in and when I go out. I'll be blessed when my enemies come against me. They'll come from one way and they'll flee in seven. He'll make me the head and not the tail. He'll put me at the top and never at the bottom. It's promised. Promised. Let's review. Planting the seeds. I am a child of the king. He is my father. I will obey him, then he will bless me. That's not just a little memory game. We've worked on it for four weeks. It's not just a little thing to to memorize and go on to the next series. It's a lifestyle. And I've tried the best I can to describe that lifestyle in a way that we can remember it. I don't make many guarantees, but I'll guarantee this one. If you plant these four seeds... You plant these four seeds, and by that I mean you live by these principles, life will get better. I guarantee it. You plant these four seeds, you start living like this, life will get better. And I'll guarantee this too. The more you live like that, the better life will get. Now, I can guarantee it only because he does. That's the whole tone of the Bible. He has guaranteed it. All we have to do is realize and live like we're a child of the king. He is our father. We want to obey him. We want to do everything we can to please him. Then he will bless us. It won't happen overnight. But you've got to start somewhere. You've got to start exactly where you are. If you're just going through the motions... If you're at that level, you just go through life and nothing's abundant about it. He wants you to love life. He wants you to have an abundant life. 
If you're down at that next level where nothing's very good, or you just whine and complain about everything, he wants you to enjoy life. He came that you might enjoy life. And if you're on the very bottom level, if your life is a total wreck, if you're in the pig pen, he's waiting for you to come home. He's waiting. He's got blessings ready to pour out. You need to start wherever you are. Wherever you are today, if you're not living an abundant life, resolve your mind to start today. If you need to come publicly to ask for our help on that in any way, we invite you to come while we stand and sing.